Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Do you have your tea ready? You got your coffee ready? Glass of wine? Last week, we talked about always siding with your wife or your mate, let's say. How about if uh, this week... We expand on that. Also, what is your idea of abuse? Maybe we should define it. And you might be surprised at the way I classify abuse. It might change your way of looking at life from now on and what you're willing to put up with, what you ain't willing to put up with. We're going to talk about placing importance on feelings themselves rather than whether the feelings are quote-unquote right or not. But first, let's do the disclaimer and the introduction music. I'll be right here when it ends. Don't go away. I'm Brian Barnett. I'm just a regular guy. I'm not a doctor. I have no legal license in any field of psychology. But I did live a large part of my life with borderline personality disorder unknowingly, and... I really did rid myself of the disorder completely and permanently. Through that, I've become an expert on issues involving emotional health. I accept no responsibility whatsoever for your feelings, thoughts, behaviors, decisions, and actions, including your decision to watch or listen to this show at all. But I do hope you might benefit yourself from the insights I share. Well, folks, it's nice to have you back with me again this week. I'm very tired tonight. I've had a a long week and a long day. It's uh, late for me right now, but I wanted to get this show in because I know that a lot of folks are expectant about about this show. And I, di- I didn't want you to have to wait for more time than you needed to. So I'm up tonight late doing this show. Hope you appreciate that. Let's do some announcements. Uh, thelastsymptom.com is my website for free and paid resources. Please check that out, thelastsymptom.com. Of course, this video is available in an audio-only format, but it's also available as a video. You can watch it on YouTube and Rumble. Just search for The Last Symptom on either of those platforms. And finally, we've got an online group that is thriving and doing great. On the Locals platform, that's spelled L-O-C-A-L-S. The way you join is you go to thelastsymptom.locals.com or you can download the Locals.com app from the App Store to your tablet or your phone and just search for The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett Within. We do exclusive live streams there on Mondays and we would love to have you there. It's a good way for you to interact with me on a regular basis, see how I deftly avoided having to say regularly. So I think that's all the announcements. Tonight, 
word got back to me that an older friend of mine who's in his mid-80s was not feeling so good. And so part of the reason why I'm recording this so late is because I uh, threw together myself a thermos of coffee, swung by the store, picked up some ice cream for him and his wife, and drove out to see him. And we sat and talked for uh, two and a half hours. I listened a lot. I learned a lot. I really enjoy my time with older people. And uh, this is a feller that uh, I've known throughout my life. He come out and visit me back in 2020, right, right in the heart of the, the pandemic. And uh, we were talking and philosophizing and all that. And he told me how old he was at that time, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was 70, in his early 70s. No, he's in his mid-80s. Well, since 2020, his condition has gone down a lot. I mean, if you think about it, just a few years ago, so four years ago, in 2020, he was, you know, in his 80s, but he still seemed really full of energy and everything. He didn't seem all that different. And in just a few years, age seems to have caught up with him. He was talking about how um, he gets bored <laughs> just sitting in his chair all the time. I said, well, how do you spend your days? He says, well, I sit in my chair a lot and read a lot. But he says, you know, even that gets tiring. It, it gets boring. I said, well, what would you like to be doing? If you, could do any, if, you, if you could do anything you wanted to do, what would you prefer to be doing? He said, well, you know, I'd like to be out in the yard tinkering around with stuff like to be messing around with my car, working on the engine or something like that. I really enjoyed stuff like that. He says, but uh, now I just take a walk and it just, I'm just exhausted walking from here to there. And so we had a lot of profound things to talk about, about age, about how quickly time moves and all these things. But I, even in his situation, I said, you know, uh, I'm a lot younger than you, and I don't claim to, to be wiser than you or to know more than you. I mean, surely I, I have a lot of respect for your life experience and all the wisdom that you surely walk around with. Uh, but I said, you know, if, if you don't mind me saying so, <laughs> we do get to choose not only what we think about, but how we think about things. So I just want to encourage you to, um, as much as you're able, to think about things positively. Think about the, the good things. He said, well, I can think of a thing. I said, well, tell me. He says, you know, my, I've got real good hearing. He said, I, I know a lot of guys my age. Don't have the, the hearing that I got. 
he says, even this other guy, you know this other guy? I said, yeah, I know him. He says, he's, even he has to use uh, hearing aids to get around and, and talk to people. And I said, well, he's, he's 15, 20 years younger than you. He said, yeah, that's right. So he says, so you're right. You're right. There, there's a lot of, uh, I, I still have a lot of blessings going for me that I could think positively about. So if you got to be 85 years old and you've got really good hearing, hey, you're, you, you've got an advantage over a lot of other 85-year-olds. Last week, we talked about how when it comes down to conflict between your mother or your wife, and this conversation was primarily for husbands, that you always side with your wife. You always side with the people in your care. So you've left home or you've grown up. You've become an adult. You've started your own family. Now you're on a new team. Your family is your team. And I compared it to a baseball player. He gets traded. <laughs> you know, um, This is something I could really talk about lately because the Red Sox have just traded in the last few years I don't know what they're doing the Red Sox has just have just traded off every single player that matters off of their team and I'll tell you where they're all ending up they're all ending up in Los Angeles for the Dodgers so let's talk about those Red Sox players can you imagine J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, they all get traded to Los Angeles. So they leave Boston, they get traded to this new team. And can you imagine that in a, in a game where Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Dodgers are now playing the Red Sox, can you imagine Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, and all these other players saying, hey, I know I'm over here in Los Angeles now, but my loyalties, my loyalties remain with the Red Sox, and they begin playing in favor of the Red Sox in the middle of the game? Well, that'd be pretty foolish of them to do that. No, the principle involved there is that their loyalties now belong to their new team, to their new teammates, now, does this mean that they don't have fond feelings of affection for Boston? Well, it depends on who you talk to. I saw an interview with J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts, and uh, they didn't they they weren't talking too highly of Boston, and I, I thought that was kind of stinkerish of them to do that because Boston treated them very well. I thought, but. It, in many cases, you know, especially if you spend a lot of time with a team, I'm, I'm saying this, if you're a baseball player, you can imagine that you would have deep feelings of affection for the town, for the, the players that you played with. And nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with feeling that way. How about the old teammates that you left behind? Nothing wrong with having affection for them either. But when the game starts... Who do their loyalties, what, 
What does principle say? Where their loyalties belong to their new team. And so that's kind of what it's like. When you grow up, you become an adult free agent, and you say, hey, I'm going to start my own family. That's your team. You're all in it together. When it's your team, well, I was going to say when it's your team against the world, but I think a better way of saying it is when it's, your, when it's the world against your team. What does principle say? Your loyalties should belong to to your team, right? You know, for a lot of us growing up in unhealthy families, it's interesting that we went out into the world, into the dangerous, abusive world, the dangerous, unhealthy, abusive world, where we faced all sorts of emotional challenges and mistreatment and uh folks who were against us, right, who were, who were not making life easy for us. And do you know that the way it's supposed to work is that when you come home, there's your refuge? Yeah, you come home to your refuge, to your teammates, and they've all got your back. There's where you find peace, relaxation, freedom from worry when things are working right. What I say is interesting about people who grew up probably like you and me. I mean, I know it was true for me. Anybody who grew up in an unhealthy family, you didn't get that, did you? No. What happened was... You were abused at home, emotionally and maybe physically for a lot of you. Some of you maybe sexually. Uh, some of you maybe in many brutal ways. So you had that at home. There was no safe refuge there. Going out into the dangerous, unhealthy world where everybody's against you might have been less abusive than your actual home. It's not supposed to be like that. Our children, our spouses, uh, everybody in our immediate family, the family that we create, should know that no matter how many people are against them out there in the world, that when they come home, there's their refuge. It should feel like a refuge to them. So you can hopefully see the absurdity of getting into a marriage but then siding with your mother over your own spouse. Principle says there's something very wrong with that. Very wrong with that. You're not playing for that team anymore. You left that team. Last week I said, you know, you left the team when you started your own family. That's not true. You left that team when you turned into an adult free agent. That's when you left that team. And as long as you were single, you were on a team by yourself. But the instant you decided to start your own family, now your responsibilities are not only to yourself, 
They're to your family. So we talked about that last week, about always siding with your your spouse when it comes to anybody outside of your immediate family. So this started a nice conversation on our locals group that I wanted to expand upon. Are there exceptions to siding with your wife or your husband against everybody else no matter what? Yes. The exception is any times there is abuse. So if your wife is being abusive to somebody, you can't support her in that. If your husband is being abusive to somebody, you can't support him in that. That's the exception. And that's going to lead us to a conversation about what is abuse, which we'll get into here in a second. Like I say, I'm a little tired tonight, but I think it's going good so far, don't you? Let's, let's keep going and see how it goes. Now, in this conversation between husbands and wives, there's something I want to, uh, let me see here. A wife might say, he never supports me. Like, my husband never takes my side in anything. He always sides with his, his the family he grew up with, his parents or his siblings or anything like that. In fact, this makes me think of uh, this movie that had uh oh what was his name kevin costner he played wyatt earp and in the movie the brothers the wives are complaining that the brothers aren't aren't uh that the brothers seem to be more interested in each other more loyalty more loyal to each other than they are to their own wives and wyatt earp looks at his wife and says well that's that's the way it is you know, wives come and go, but the brother relationship is is real. Well, that's that's not a healthy viewpoint. Let's talk for a second about not being responsible for other people's feelings. A husband might say to his wife, who is uh, expressing herself to him. Hey, this is how I feel. You know, I feel like you always take my mother's side. I always feel like you take your mother's side over me. And the husband may think to himself, well, I'm not responsible for her feelings. Is he right? Yes, he is right. I'm, he, he is not responsible for her feelings. In the sense that they're her feelings it's her own body creating the feelings. Nothing outside of her is creating the feelings. Only she is. And the only person responsible for figuring out what information those feelings are offering her is her, not anybody else. So it's not, it's not the husband's responsibility to sit down and try to figure out what her feelings are doing and why they're doing that and what she needs to do about it, what... Uh, thinking is contributing to those feelings and everything. No, that that's all inside of her. Her body's generating them. They're her feelings. She needs to be responsible for her feelings and for sitting down and trying to figure out what they, they're trying to tell her and all these things. So 
a husband who would say that, I'm not responsible for your feelings, is not stating anything false. But here's something to keep in mind. Maybe this is something we're writing down. To say that I am not responsible for your feelings is not the same as saying I'm not responsible for caring about your feelings. And that might be a point that some people are missing. So I hope I'm expressing that well enough. Imagine the situation. A wife is expressing her feelings to her husband. You always take sides with your mother. And the husband thinks about that and he says, you know, that's not true. I remember specific times. I mean, in the, it, I, can, I can give a defense that would specifically prove that what she's saying is not true that I hardly ever side with my wife. That in fact, I always side with her. So whether she feels like that or not, she's completely wrong. And I'm not responsible for those feelings. And he could in a very respectful way say, I'm not responsible for your feelings. He's right that he's not responsible for her feelings. Again, in the sense that they're her feelings. Her own body and think her own thinking is creating the feelings. However, do you see do you see the mistake that such a husband would be making? There's there's two things. There's two mistakes that he's making. For one, he is missing a bigger, more important point. Where is his focus? Where is his primary concern? His primary concern is whether the feelings are telling the truth or not, right? His wife says she feels this way. What's going on in his head? Is what she's feeling reflective of truth or not? That's where his care and importance is. The second mistake is just because I'm not just because he's not responsible for her feelings is not the same as saying he's not responsible for caring about her feelings. Here's a mistake I see a lot of folks making. A lot of men making. You know, I'm speaking in generalities here. A lot of unhealthy women make the same mistake. But this is something that keeps coming up in my conversations with wives and husbands. A man's default, especially, but it's also a default of emotionally disordered or unhealthy people, is an inappropriate perspective towards feelings. Of course, this is at the root, right, of of emotional disorder. What is at the root of emotional disorder? It's an inappropriate perception, a false, unhealthy, inappropriate perception about the nature of feeling self and life. You know, I, you remember 
from conversations with me back in the day. I try not to repeat things in the same way so often that it sounds like a catchphrase. Because once a thing becomes a catchphrase, then it begins to lose its weight. Like a person just hears it, they have associated what they've associated with it, and then they, they don't think too deeply on it. So just by mixing up the wording of things, sometimes you can get a, a more profound, uh, you can get somebody to more profoundly analyze the thing. So often we talk about how uh, emotional disorder, emotional unhealth is simply an unhealthy false perception about the nature of feeling self in life. Well, let's stop there for a second. An unhealthy, inaccurate perception about the nature of feelings. Feelings is in there. And what did we just say that this husband is doing? He's inappropriately viewing her feelings. Where is his concern at? His concern is whether the feelings are true or not. In that, where is he valuing the feelings just on their own merit? Good question, right? While he's concerned about not being responsible for her feelings, what's he missing? He's missing the fact that he's still, he is responsible for caring about feelings. Think about that, that emotional disorder is living with an inappropriate view or perception or estimation of the nature of feelings. It really comes down to value. How do you perceive the nature of the value of feelings? How do you perceive perceive the nature of the value of self, that is, of people, of individuals, of human beings? Perceiving the nature of feelings incorrectly leads to, to what? Incorrectly and inappropriately, what does that lead to? It naturally leads to devaluing them. Part of the entire reason emotionally disordered people are utterly incapable of genuine empathy. There's a lot of them out there that think that they're experiencing empathy. They're not. They're experiencing an unhealthy, false form of empathy because it's at the root of what's motivating that form of unhealthy empathy. It's not empathy, but, you know, so that we know what we're talking about. What's at the root motives for a person experiencing those false forms of empathy, it, that's rooted in selfishness. Selfish causes are what is motivating it. Now let's think about uh, emotional health. It's the opposite of that. It's the opposite of looking at feelings inappropriately and then devaluing them. Emotional health is the exact opposite. It's having a correct perspective of the nature of feelings, which naturally leads to placing great value on them, which is a massive reason why empathy, genuine empathy, comes naturally to healthy people. Why does, it come, why does empathy come naturally to healthy people? They're viewing feelings correctly. They're valuing feelings correctly. The nature of feelings. 
they don't even have to try. Unhealthy people are constantly trying. You know, in fact, when you first start down a path of uh, recovery, what does everybody do? They all learn that they're not good at empathizing. So what do they start doing? They start trying to learn how to mimic empathy. But genuine empathy isn't isn't a uh, just a, a some things you do. Genuine empathy is the reasons why you do it. Where does it come from? That's what gives birth to genuine empathy. Got to create some noise here, folks. Got to turn some heat on. So what we're going to have to start talking about here, and we've mentioned it already, is valuing feelings just on their own merit. But that's not what unhealthy people do. It's not what husbands, unhealthy husbands typically uh, do. A lot of, I keep bringing up husbands because they seem to have a real pickle with this. They seem to have a real problem with it. You see, their wife says, you never buy me roses. And instantly what the husband does is he starts thinking about all the times he bought her roses. And he says, well, that's, that's absolutely not true. What is he missing? First of all, he's missing. Let's, let me ask you this. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, but let's talk about it again. If it feels to me like I'm dying, if it feels to me like my life is in danger, how are you going to make me feel better? Are you going to make me feel better by looking at the situation and telling me my life is not in danger? Let me ask you this. Does it feel any different to me Is the experience any different for me if my life truly is in danger or if I just feel like my life is in danger? Is the experience for me any different one way or the other? The answer is no. If I feel like my life is in danger, the experience for me is the same as if my life really is in danger. Now let's go back to the wife who says you never buy me flowers. If it feels to her like you never buy her flowers, is that any different? Is the experience, is what she is experiencing any different for her than if you truly never do buy her flowers? No, the answer is that no, it's not. For her, the experience is exactly the same. Let's go to this conversation about you always side with my mom. She says, you always side with my mom, and you do an analysis in your head, and where does your attention immediately go? Where is the importance in your head? The importance in your head is whether what she feels is true or not. Right? But again, goes back to this discussion about feelings and the reality of things. If it feels to her like you always side with her mother, is that experience any different for her than if you really do or don't always side with her mother? 
It doesn't matter. What matters is that that's how she really feels. That's really the experience she's having. So you can focus all the live long day on how what she feels is wrong. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's what you're doing, right? We also, we also have many conversations about how feelings can't be right or wrong. But isn't that what you're doing? When the importance to you is whether her feelings are accurate or not, whether they reflect truth in the real world or not. And what do I keep saying? Feelings can't be good or bad. Or they can't be right or wrong. Usually I say it in combination with good or bad. They can't be good or bad. They can't be right or wrong. But let's focus right now on they can't be right or wrong. Isn't that what you're doing? When you're when the most important thing to you upon hearing your wife express something is whether she's right or not, whether what she feels is true or not. Well, if it feels to her like you're always taking her mother, your mother's side, how is that any different for her than if you are or aren't? But what are you doing when your attention is on whether her feelings represent the truth out in the real world or not? What you're doing is you're devaluing the feelings. They don't matter. What matters is whether what she feels is based in reality that I perceive or not. See, that has been, the interesting thing is that that has been at the root of most of your problems. You see, your parents dealt with you that way growing up. And what did you learn from it? You learned that feelings are irrelevant. They don't have value. They don't have their own value. Where does... So, when you receive treatment like that growing up, what was the message? The message is, if your feelings make sense to me, then they have value. You see? And now you're doing that to your wives. Or your spouses. She says, you never buy me flowers. What are you doing? When you ignore the fact that that's how she really feels. And the only thing that's important to you is whether she's, she's right or not about that. Right? The details out in the real world. Well, I bought her flowers just last year. I bought her flowers on Valentine's Day. Where... Are you not putting importance on her feelings, on how it really feels to her? So you're taking the model that you were treated with in childhood, and your turn, which has caused you all of your problems, right? Because where do all of your problems come from when we're talking about emotional disorder? An inappropriate, inaccurate, false perception about the nature or the value of feelings, self, and life. So you're perceiving feelings inappropriately. Feelings in general, but it's manifesting in these interactions with your spouse when she says things like that to you. You know, you never buy me flowers. You always side with my mother. And your response is, I'm not, well, I'm not responsible for your feelings. You know, so your feelings are wrong. You need to sort that out, is basically what you're saying.
So what do you need to start doing? You, not, you need to start valuing the feelings on their own merit. It doesn't matter if the facts of the case are accurate or not. You shouldn't be worried about the facts of whether or not the facts are accurate or not. What you should be mostly concerned about is the experience somebody is truly experiencing. Have you ever been scared out of your wits? Did, did it feel good? Did you, did you enjoy that? What if I come up to you and you said, Oh my God, I'm about to die! I'm about to die! And I said, uh, No, you're not about to die. So, you know, you're really overreacting. Is that going to help you feel better? Is that going to comfort you any? If you're convinced that you are about to die. It's not going to comfort you at all. In fact, it's going to be very disturbing to you. It's going to be even more, uh, let's put it this way, it's going to be even more um, traumatic. It would be more traumatic in that circumstance for you to truly be convinced that you're about to die. You truly feel that way. And to see me nonchalantly not taking you seriously. That would actually be more traumatic than if you just kept your mouth shut and not told me, not shared that with me. Um, I think I've told Yinzal the story about when I was a kid, took a walk with my dad. We end up next to this cliff. You know, I'm like four years old, three years old, something like that. I'm, I'm scared out of my wits. I, I truly believe I'm going to die. I, I'm I'm terrified that if I just make one false move, I will slide off this cliff and die. And my, my dad leaves me there on the side of this cliff and walks up the hill and leaves me there. And I am terrified, shaking, because I feel like I'm about to die. And he laughed at me and said, oh, stop acting silly. Come on up here. Because he said that, did I suddenly, oh, I feel all better now. Now I don't feel like I'm going to die. No, I still felt like I was going to die. And I had to climb up that hill three, four years old by myself, rescue myself out of that situation. He wouldn't help me because what was his concern? He didn't care how I felt. He could, he could not have cared less how I felt. The only thing that mattered to him was whether he knew I was truly going to die or not. He couldn't have cared less. The, 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 the turmoil and the, the horror and the terror that was happening inside of me for real. No, what was more important to him was whether or not my feelings were quote-unquote true or not. Another way of saying it is whether or not they were right or wrong. And that's what a lot of husbands are doing out there. A lot of women are doing it too. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of picking on the guys tonight because um, they're the, this keeps coming up more often with them in these married relationships. Wives have a different way of communicating in general. And... Wives will say things like, you know, you never buy me flowers. And the man, he hears a statement of fact or of 
falsehood. What he doesn't stop to consider is that she's expressing how she feels about the thing, not literally whether you have ever bought her flowers or not. She's expressing how it feels to her. Uh, women talk that way. Men don't usually talk that way. If I tell you, for example, well, men do talk that way. For example, if you get in the car with your wife and you say, you know, you never put on your seatbelt. Why don't you ever put on your seatbelt? Well, I would bet you a nickel it's not true that she never puts on her seatbelt, right? So you're, that's a, a tremendous exaggeration. Or, you know, you never say good, goodbye to me or hello when I leave the house or come back into the house. Is that true? No, it's not true. But it feels like, but it feels true to you, right? It feels like the general rule is she never says goodbye to you when you leave the house. And so then you talk like that. So we don't, men don't typically tend to talk, express things in the format of truth or, or fact, let's say when we're really just expressing how we feel about a thing. But um, we, we, we do do it. Uh, women do it almost exclusively. You never take the trash out. Well, I just took the trash out last week. What are you talking about? What are you doing? Be careful. What are you doing? You're um, disregarding her feelings about the thing. And your concern is where? whether how she feels is true or not. Stop doing that. Stop doing it. Where should your attention immediately go? Is that really how it feels like to her? Let's have a conversation. I want to know more about how, why she feels this way. What else does she feel? See, you can't fake it. If you are genuinely interested, if somebody's feelings genu genuinely matter to you, there's no fake in that. You can't just go down a checklist of questions. Really, why do you feel that way? How long have you felt that way? When did you start feeling that way? You can't do it that way because of intuition, human intuition you know when your feelings are being valued and when they're not. Everybody knows this. You, you, you don't even have to take a special course in it or listen to 50 hours of Last Symptom podcast or anything like that. You know it intuitively. And if you do a self-check, you know, think back about all the experiences you have throughout your life, you'll, you'll know that what I'm telling you is true. You know it intuitively. I was talking to a fellow the other day. He said something that was very comical to me about his situation. I wasn't laughing at him or his situation, but as I got a mental picture in my head of one of something that he was dealing with, it, it gave me the giggles. I started laughing. Immediately after that, he shared with me something very personal that got his emotions um, it activated his emotions, made him very sad. And he, I could see it in his face. His face, I could see the pain in his face as he imagined 
the effects of some things on his children. Do you know that inside of me, I went immediately from being in, feeling very comical. I was laughing. I was giggling because I had just had this, this image in my head of something funny. And then I saw him and heard his voice, and I saw the pain he was going through, and my feelings immediately turned on a dime. Do, do you know where my concern immediately went to? Not whether what he's telling me about his children is true or not, or whether his worries are based in anything true or not, or whether he really, honestly, truly has anything serious to be worried about or not. No, immediately my attention and my concern went to what he is experiencing inside of himself. He's hurting. I know what hurting feels like. It's not nice. I know what worry feels like. It's not nice. It's agonizing, especially when our kids are involved. And my feelings immediately turned on a dime. My attention immediately went to concern about how he was feeling in the moment. Is that something that you can start practicing on and get better at? Where is the value? The value is in the experience a person is really experiencing, not on whether their feelings are true or not, right or wrong. They can't be right or wrong. It can be right or wrong that a monster is standing outside my door. The facts, the literal facts of whether there truly is a monster outside of my door or not, that can be right or wrong. But how I feel, if I feel like there's a monster outside my door and my life's in danger, that can't be wrong. Why can't it be wrong? Because whether it's true that there's a monster out there or not, what I'm feeling is still what I'm feeling. What I'm feeling, the experience that I'm experiencing, still is what it is. And that is a terrible feeling. A person is really experiencing that when they tell you that they're experiencing that. Here's another thing to keep in mind. It's very easy, well, let's say that it's easier to do this with dramatic um, emotions that we often consider very uh, uncomfortable or painful or scary you know, right? Like uh, I use the example of if I feel like I'm dying, should it matter to you whether or not I'm really dying or not? No. First, your primary concern immediately should be, oh my gosh, he really feels that way. I, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. What? Uh, tell me more about it. That must be terrible. Oh my gosh, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. Later, when a person feels better, you, you can talk about the details of whether or not they were really dying. But while they feel like they're really dying, <laughs> what's the most important thing? What they're feeling, not whether or not they're really dying or not. What they're feeling is the most important thing in the moment. So it's very easy, to, well, 
I keep saying very easy. It's very easy for me now. Never used to be. It's easier with a feeling like that. But what about feelings like when your wife says, you know, you never buy me flowers? That might be more of a challenge for you to catch that and say, where am I putting the importance? What What is most important to me right now? Whether or not I, I really have ever bought my wife flowers or how she feels about getting flowers. What's most important is how she feels right then. Value the feelings on their own merit. You don't have to agree with the feelings. You just have to deeply care about them. That's your responsibility. It's all healthy people's responsibility to deeply care about other people's feelings at all times. It is always the healthy person's responsibility to deeply care about other people's feelings. It's always a healthy person's responsibility to perceive feelings appropriately, to assign them appropriate value. So while it's true that I'm not responsible for your feelings, that doesn't mean that I can just disregard them and give them no value or perceive them with no value. You see, you can't be healthy and do that. A large part of being healthy is perceiving the feelings correctly, which naturally leads to you placing importance on them, which naturally leads to empathy. Don't get lost in the details of whether the feelings are true or not. If that's your default, you got a lot to work on there. But, you know, I'm not trying to discourage you. It's something you can get good at relatively easy. When I say don't get lost in the details of whether the feelings are true or not, I should put quotation marks there. True, quote, unquote, or not. Why? Because there's no such thing as feelings being right or wrong. That experience still is that experience. Uh, there was another example I gave of uh, my daughter being terrified of the hand dryers. And that's... This happened for real in real life at a restaurant where I took her into the bathroom, washed her hands and everything, and then afterwards I wanted to uh, turn on the air hand dryer. She said, no, 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 Daddy, Daddy, that scares me. It scares me. She was holding her hands over the ears. Should it be my primary concern in that situation whether or not the air dryer can hurt her or not? No. My primary concern is, that scares you? That's scary to you? Oh, I, I don't want you to have to experience that fear. I take it very seriously. Your fear is what's most important to me. Okay, we don't need to use the air hand dryer. Don't worry, honey. I'm here on your side. I'm your refuge. I will protect you against the things you're afraid of. I will join you in your fear. I will validate that fear. Let's talk real quick about what abuse is. Because I said, you always side with your family against the world 
except in instances of abuse because you can't side with them in that because that would be enabling that it would be supporting something that's da uh, damaging for them something that's damaging for the world you can't support anything that is abuse <clears throat> now having said that you can still make your wife feel supported even if you can't support her in abuse you can still make her feel overall supported how by placing more importance on whether she feels supported or not rather than whether or not the facts in in the real world uh in whether or not an argument could be made in defense of the fact that you are uh on her side or not right that is not the most important thing the most important thing is whether she feels supported or not not whether you in an argument about who's the best baseball team of all time you sided with your wife or not the details there are not as important as whether she feels supported now back to this conversation about abuse what is it a lot of people might say well it's when a person grabs you the wrong way it's when a person calls you a name it's when somebody curses at you it's when somebody uh, I don't know there's so many things right the specifics where you could say well that's abuse and that's abuse and that's abuse here's what it comes down to abuse is anytime somebody views the nature of your value or your feelings value inappropriately that's it you didn't know it was going to be that simple did you abuse is anytime somebody views the nature of your value or your feelings value inappropriately what is a husband doing when his wife says, you never buy me flowers? And he says, yes, I do. Yes, I, I bought you flowers on this date, and I bought you flowers on that date. Is he viewing the nature of the value of your feelings appropriately? No, he's not. What's more important to him? What's more important to him is whether or not he actually ever bought you flowers or not. He doesn't care if it feels to you like he's never bought you flowers. That's abuse. Why do I say that that's abuse? A lot of people might say, well, no, come on. Barnett's being too sticky about this. No, I'm not being too sticky about it. Because where does all abuse spring from? Where does all abuse spring from? It all originates from People viewing the nature of your value and the value of your feelings inappropriately. Think about that long and hard. If I am viewing the nature of your value and the nature of your feelings value appropriately, can I call you, can I degrade you with a an abusive name? Can I punch you in the face? Can I mistreat you? Can I devalue you? Can I selfishly use you as the butt of a joke to lift myself up and push you down? 
No. No, none of these things are born from me viewing your value appropriately and viewing the nature of your feelings value appropriately and healthily. Abuse can only exist anytime somebody is viewing the nature of your value or your feelings value inappropriately. That's the only time abuse can happen. Where does it start? Does it start with the physical abuse? Does it start with the name calling? No, it starts with the attitude at the root of it all. How am I viewing you? How am I viewing your feelings? That right there is the origin of the abuse. That's when the abuse starts. So I was just telling somebody the other day that every once in a while I have an interaction with a person where I walk away and I say to myself, I I didn't like that and I ain't sure why. I didn't like it. I need to think about that a little bit. Almost every time what it comes back to, once I've had a moment to chew on it for a little bit, is I I realize their interaction with me revealed an inappropriate view of the nature of either my own value or an inappropriate view about the nature of my feelings value. That's why it bothered me. That's why I got a bad feeling about that interaction and I didn't continue in that interaction. You can get very good at this with practice. You folks who are in relationships, you're in your marriages and stuff like that, don't wait for the name calling to stop somebody, to stop the other person, and say, hey, I think we need to start over here. I don't like where this is going. Don't wait for the name calling. Don't wait for the plate throwing. Don't wait for the screaming. Because the abuse doesn't start there. The abuse starts the moment a person views the nature of, of your value or your feelings value inappropriately. That's when the abuse starts. Otherwise, it can't happen. The the, the rest of the other stuff can't happen without that. So practice perceiving when that happens. It can be in the way that a person talks to you. It can be in a way a person um, acts around you. It can be in a way a person rolls their eyes at you. See, if I value your worth and I value the value and I value the worth of your feelings appropriately and healthily, am I going to roll my eyes at you? No, because what that does is it's a it's a it it's a way to. It's it's a passive aggressive way to call into question a person's worth or their feelings worth. You know, you never buy me flowers. I roll. What am I doing with my eye roll? I'm saying you're ridiculous. Your feelings are ridiculous. How you feel about whether or not I ever buy you flowers is absolutely ridiculous. And you're feeling the wrong thing. Your feelings are wrong. 
if I'm if I'm viewing your value, the nature of your value, and I'm viewing the nature of your feelings value correctly and healthily, what will I do instead? I'll want you to talk to me more about that. Talk to me more about it. Really, you really feel that way? Gosh, I don't want you to be experienced going through all that experience. Talk to me more about it. What do you think would help? What would you like to see me do more of? When did you start feeling this way? Well, I'm glad. I'm so glad that you you brought it up now. See, I'm not eye-rolling. I'm showing value for the way you feel. I'm showing value for you. Respect, dignity, appreciation for you and how you feel. So, I hope that you find this conversation helpful. Uh, Like I say, it's very late now here. Time went by fast though, didn't it? For me, it did. Uh, But we've, we've covered an hour. And that's not bad. Like to hear what you guys all think about this episode. Join us over there on Locals and tell me all about it. I'll see you folks uh, in a couple weeks. Right here, same place, same time. I hope you guys treat yourselves nice. You do something nice for yourself this weekend and in the weeks to come. And uh, before you know it, We'll be sitting here, having a new conversation, and talking about all sorts of other very interesting things. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thanks for joining me. You take care. I'll see you soon.